Welcome to Radio KAL, the Superman podcast brought to you by supermanhomepage.com. This is show number 100, released on April 25th, 2013. My name is Steve Eunice, and joining me as always is my good friend Scotty V. Hey, Scott. Hello, Steve. What's happening, everybody? Isn't this the episode of the series where some one of the major players has to be killed in some strange fashion? Uh, I haven't told you, have I? Uh, no. Sorry. <laughs> oh, no. It's me. Ah, <laughs> oh, jeez. Clark's going to choose though. his girlfriend over me again. Oh. <laughs> no, well, uh, happy 100th anniversary to us. Um, it's uh, it's amazing that we've what's it eight years or something that's that's the uh, I think it equates to so um, yeah it's uh, it's fantastic that everyone still wants to listen to this podcast and that it's still going strong. Yeah, I mean, hey, I, I'm I'm glad to be a part of it. I haven't been here the whole eight years, but uh, I guess it's been a couple now for me anyway. Yeah. But a hundred that's a that's a big milestone. I mean, what I was referring to, of course, is. Uh, many series on TV, when they reach their 100th episode, they try to do something uh, special. I don't know that you'd call it special, but when Smallville reached 100, uh, I believe that was the episode that they uh, they took Jonathan Kent away from us. That's correct. Yeah, they uh, did a, a fake switch with Lana dying and then Clark reversing that and ended up being Jonathan, who was the one who kicked the bucket. But... Uh, <laughs> We uh, we hopefully won't see any deaths this episode, but uh, we do. It is a special episode because we do have so much to talk about, especially in regards to Man of Steel. There's a lot going on, and I, I think it's funny and, and a little ironic because it almost seems like it's right on the heels of people saying to me, gosh, I wish DC <laughs> would do something to to market this movie and let people know it exists and and then it's bang, bang, bang. It's like five, six, seven different things right in a row going, uh, seems like they're doing quite a bit to me. You know? <laughs> yeah, everyone, we all, it's funny because people were complaining, especially on the website about, oh, none of my friends know about this movie. They all know about Star Trek and um, Iron Man, which, as we've discussed, come out like a month or more before Man of Steel. So, of course, they're going to be further down the line in their marketing campaigns. But uh, bang, smash wallop and uh, all of a sudden Man of Steel is on everybody's lips and uh, it, you know everyone's just praising this, this latest trailer which we will get to, we'll talk about that in this episode but I wanted to first talk about Superman's 75th anniversary, uh, that happened on April 18th uh, so you know this month uh, in this, of this podcast that we're now discussing uh, so another anniversary there to discuss for Superman 75 years, amazing yeah, and still, I mean, uh, debatably as popular as ever. Um, lots of things going on. Movies. We have the Brainiac film coming out soon. We have Man of Steel this year. We have uh, uh, the celebration, of course, happens every year. Hopefully, uh, they'll have some special things going on there. There's stuff going on in Cleveland. Everybody's excited about uh, 75 years of Superman. Yeah, there's been lots of websites and uh, radio stations uh, you know, promoting Superman's 75th anniversary. Cleveland, obviously the city, Cleveland, Ohio, uh, where Jerry Siegel and Joe Shuster grew up when they created, uh, came up with the idea for Superman, uh, is really doing a lot there to uh, celebrate Superman's origins uh, and roots in their, in their city and uh, doing, you know, various things. So if you check out, uh, I think it's uh, clecityhall.com, meaning Cleveland City Hall, uh, you can check out all the events 
going on at uh, in Cleveland, and uh, it's that's great to to hear that they're embracing Superman, and uh, you know that's that's can only be good things for the city and good things for the character. Uh, I mentioned radio stations. I was actually interviewed by ABC Radio here in Sydney, 702 on the AM dial, and uh, they wanted to talk to me all about why Superman's been so popular for so long and why he continues to to um, you know win the hearts and minds of fans everywhere. So uh, that was great. I uh, got a few plugs in for the homepage, which is uh, always good. You're like a big celebrity. Uh. <laughs> Being called up to you know people know that you're uh you're the foremost expert on superman and, and who better to call and who better to interview um about the 75th anniversary than than our own steve Eunice? oh well i guess it's uh cheaper than calling long distance somebody in america so uh <laughs> they probably lucked out there getting someone like me close to home to to talk to but uh no it was good i i enjoyed it it was uh, only like three minutes but you can hear that on the website if you missed it, um, and so yeah, I, was, I thoroughly enjoyed doing that. But uh, lots going on around Superman's 75th anniversary. Lots of infographics on the on the websites. Uh, people, you know, looking at uh, Lois Lane over the years. Obviously, it's her 75th anniversary as well. She appeared in Action Comics number one alongside Superman. So, uh, you know, uh, 75 years for Lois as well as Superman. No, I guess that's um, 75 years of the the in general superman that we know because uh wasn't there a uh there was an article or something in a science fiction magazine before that that introduced superman as a villain when they first came up with the idea so then probably a year or two before the the uh, superman truth justice thing came into fruition where he was a hero is that well jerry uh, siegel I mean, obviously our yeah he originally came up with the, with the idea the superman was a bald villain uh, who had like mind control powers, but that was never published. That was more of something that they self-published uh, and did a few copies of, and and then when it was rejected, you know, the, uh, you know, it was thrown out and burnt. I think I think uh, only a couple of pages existed because, uh, in his frustration, Jerry threw them in the fire. But um, that was uh, in like 1933 where they came up with that concept, and then they changed it, and uh, it was original. And then in 1938, as we know. On April 18th, the first issue of Action Comics number one, the actual published comic book from National Periodicals, uh, came out uh, with a date of June on the cover, but the actual magazine uh, or comic book uh, hit shelves on April 18th. So the spark of the idea that became a 75-year-old uh, American and, and worldwide phenomenon, um, interesting, that began, of course, f five years or so earlier as a uh, strange idea for a villain that they had, which uh, seemingly turned into Lex Luthor later on, <laughs> this bald kind of uh, villain guy, which is uh, just kind of cool. There were also several um, uh, news articles in big, big newspapers, the New York Times, mm -hmm. uh, still you know, uh, uh, L.A. Times, I'm sure other newspapers across, uh, you know, it's kind of a big thing. I remember when uh, when they did the death of Superman, you know, it was on all these news programs and it was in newspapers and it was a big thing. And, and this kind of reminds me of that. Uh, it is kind of a big anniversary and it's it's kind of amazing uh, that uh, that, uh, you know, he's still still going pretty strong. Yeah, exactly. Now, as we talked about at the top of the show, the viral marketing campaign really kicked into gear this last couple of weeks for Man of Steel. Uh, let's go through the steps of uh, exactly what happened and how it happened. Um, I kind of I published this in uh, the Big Blue Report newsletter, uh, issue 284, 
uh, outlining the steps of, of what happened. But uh, let's just go through it here between you and I. Um, first off, it kind of started with that Deep Space Radio Wave project website, dsrwproject.com, which surfaced back in December 2012 as a viral marketing campaign for Man of Steel. And suddenly it became active once more with a new deep, sp deep space transmission for fans to decode. I got to say, these people are much more intelligent than I am because <laughs> I, the, I I look at these things and I go, I have, I don't know. And maybe I'm just lazy. I know I'm lazy. I mean, that's I, I say that. I tell that to everybody. But uh, I just I look at it and I go, boy, I hope somebody figures it out soon so I can look at what it is. Yeah, I just I just sat back and waited for each of the four words to be deciphered and decoded because uh, I had no idea what was going on. And each time I checked, I couldn't find anything that was actually there to do. So I don't know if it was uh, people were working it out or if it just on its own got deciphered by, you know, people in the background. But anyway, the um, <laughs> the four words that were there in Kryptonian or this new version of Krypton writing that we're seeing for Man of Steel came out to be the transmission of four words that are, you are not, oh, alone. not alone. Yes. Oh. Now... Uh, what did you What did you think when you saw those four words uh, at the end of that uh, deciphering period? Well, you know, it was interesting. Um, but clearly, it went a different way. But uh, I, my first thinking was that um, it was a message from Jor-El um, mm. that that even though he, you know, technically is alone, um, something like he'll never be alone or will always be with you or, mm. or you, you carry all of Krypton with you or, you know, that sort of thing. I thought perhaps it would be kind of a hopeful type message similar to what they did in smallville with those with uh, when christopher reeve uh was the professor who found that coded message from Jarrell uh in that uh, tv show love that that was really one of my favorite episodes uh, mm. for a number of reasons they they uh they they first used the music i believe the john yeah. williams theme in that episode and uh, they had the Kryptonian theme playing, and uh, of course, obviously, we we found out, finally found out a bit about Krypton. I think that was a second or third season, but uh, yeah. So that's what I kind of expected it to be, and obviously, um, that did not turn out to be the case. <laughs> no. Well, then, manofsteel.com, the official uh, website for the movie, was uh, taken over by like this white noise, this static, and uh, it seemed to be clearing up as the hours went on. And um, we weren't sure what was going on, but th as the static cleared up, we started seeing a symbol. Uh, uh, at first, it looked like the the regular S symbol for the movie, but then it was quickly uh, revealed to be the symbol for General Zod, the familiar symbol now that we're seeing on action figures and and statues of his uh, his particular symbol. And at around 8 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time on uh, the next day, the uh, the symbol became a video message, and as we know, that was the uh, message by General Zod giving an ultimatum to Earth, to, to Kal-El, and uh, let's just play the audio from that now so that we can uh, relive that message. My name is General Zod. For some time, your world has sheltered one of my citizens. I request that you return this individual to my custody. To Kal-El, I say this. Surrender within 24 hours, or watch this world suffer 
So what did you think when you heard that? You chilling. <laughs> um, I get uh, I kind of get chills from it again just just uh, hearing it now. But um, uh, I thought <laughs> the first thing I thought of was that that was just fantastic. Mm. I mean, it showed it showed Zod in such a such a scary kind of because you couldn't see him. He was just kind of this weird figure kind of moving around in the static mm -hmm. and uh there's a little bit of like it almost reminded me of like a person moving in a strobe light or something but he was in static and and the message itself was it's it's scary but it's also like really dramatic and just exciting i i, I i've never really seen uh a piece of marketing uh that i thought was more effective than that yeah i i felt almost like he was speaking to me like it felt like he was speaking to us as a human race. Like it felt like we were involved in this. Like it wasn't just a trailer. It wasn't just a something to watch. That the message was meant for us as human beings. That that was almost the kind of the you know the 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 feeling that you got from it. Um, and I thought that what that's what helped it along is that you know it felt almost like War of the Worlds type thing where it was a message sent to us as human beings on this planet. Yeah, it was, you know, right on everybody's little tablet or, or screen or, you know, the way we're all connected now with all this social media. And, of course, they call this a viral marketing campaign. You know, you could almost imagine that um, a visiting alien that was planning on, on causing havoc um, could could tap into all of our mm. information systems and, and give us this specific message right to us, kind of warning us, but also letting us know at the same time that there's really not much we could do. Mm. to kind of stop him from doing what he wants to do, I guess. Now, what do you think of the idea that maybe this could actually be a part of the film, like that this is a segment of the movie that we will see in the actual film? Well, I, I kind of, I've talked about this with a few people, and, and my impressions were that, that it's, it's not, probably not going to be a part of the film, mm -hmm. um, uh, just because it, 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 it kind of, you know, it seems like it was made specifically to be this type of uh, viral marketing yeah. thing. And also, um, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a little concerned because, you know, we've always kind of had the discussion that if Superman wasn't in Metropolis, would there be all these giant robots destroying buildings and uh, creatures coming down and trying to kill him and uh, killing other people in the process and destroying the city? And uh, and, and the, the uh, explanation is always, well, I guess others would be there and if superman wasn't there no one would be able to stop them but you know the way this um little thing with zod makes it sound it, it almost makes it seem like you know superman's new to the planet people don't even know if they can trust him or not and uh he's just saying listen uh, turn him over and uh you know kal-el specifically uh surrender or you know this planet is going to feel the consequences and in in that you know i get the idea that most people would just say, well, we don't care. Let him hey, go with you. Don't, don't destroy us. And he would say the same thing. So then all of this havoc that, that is supposedly going to happen in the movie seemingly is caused simply because Superman is here and Zod wants him. Not necessarily from what it looks like that he wants to rule the world or destroy the world anyway. But uh, maybe we'll get, you know, I'm not sure. Mm, it's interesting to see how that will play out. Uh, it kind of adds uh, a new element to the whole Superman in handcuffs, uh, you know, th image that we've seen because it, you know, with this message, if this message is sent to 
the governments of Earth and they find out where he is and they say to him, look, you need to come with us, uh, that would be something that Kal-El, Clark Kent, Superman would do. He would say, yeah, okay, I understand. You know, this is my fight. This He wants me. I don't want anybody else to, to suffer. Um, take me under, you know, arrest me kind of thing. Yeah, I find myself, you know, we'll get into it as we uh, as we move on to the trailer, but, uh, you know, I, I find myself wondering if, not this message specifically, but, but the idea that all Zod wants is for him to surrender mm. is what it's going to look like on its face, yeah. but it's going to turn into something more than that. Yeah, he's got uh, ulterior motives underneath that. Um, so, yeah, as the uh, that uh, message went, uh, the whole idea of I will find him dot com kind of raised its head and uh we well there were f- that that came about because of these billboards uh i don't know if you saw one in particular in your area but uh, the first one uh seemed to appear in culver city california and there were supposedly other other billboards around uh the united states with this uh kryptonian numbers and obviously using the kryptonian numbers that we already knew about from that deep space uh project website uh, it was deciphered to be a IP address, which is uh, a numerical internet address, uh, which translated to the website IWillFindHim.com, uh, and that was uh, a new countdown, a 48-hour countdown in Kryptonian numbers uh, that everyone was like sitting on the edge of the seats waiting to see what that would, what that countdown would reveal. We all thought it would be the trailer, uh, and uh, but nobody really knew. Yeah, I'm, I don't live in what you would call a cool city or a cool area that would be uh, – I don't even get movie billboards at all okay. in my area. Uh, but, uh, you know, um, in and around probably the Philadelphia area, you know, New York City, those types of places where you do see these large billboards over high traffic areas, mm. um, I would imagine was a likely place that uh, something like this would have been. I haven't heard any reports specifically other than the one you mentioned that's listed on the website. but. Uh, I would imagine if they had others that those would be in the places that they would be at. And of course, we have another situation where they want us to do some work to, you know, decipher and figure out and go where we need to go and look at these. Now, I still don't even know what these, how people figured out what the numbers were in the first place back uh, when when it happened in December. Yeah, well, it's it's it was kind of like uh, this is the you know this is people what they're working out. This is you know. It kind of just falls in your lap, you know. The oh, this is the this is the solution to the to the problem, and I don't know if anybody actually worked it out or who worked it out, but uh, it, it it worked out to be this website and this countdown ended on uh, Tuesday, April sixteenth, at about quarter past eight, a little bit after quarter past eight uh, of an, of the evening, and it was indeed the three minute trailer for Man of Steel, which set the internet. A light. It just everybody was buzzing about this trailer. Everybody was so just enamored with the trailer. It just seemed to hit all the right buttons, all the right notes. Uh, everyone loved it. I think I've seen one person who didn't, and uh, <laughs> he just kept harping on it's going to ruin it. It's terrible. It's the worst movie ever. You know, there were like forty-eight posts in a row where this person was just intent on telling us how terrible the movie was going to be. And again, we go back to things we've talked about before, how so many people tend to jump to conclusions based on so very little information and not having actually seen the movie. Although seeing this trailer, I don't see how anybody uh, could could 
could think anything but positive things. Uh, as you say, everybody, most people were just so excited and, and so uh, impressed with it and so, you know, looking forward to seeing more and, and probably the more we're going to get is when we actually see the movie because I don't know that they're going to release much more footage. And I like the idea that they're just kind of, they're kind of keeping it uh, as much of it a mystery, the, the the story, where exactly the plot's going, what's going on, um, kind of under wraps as they can. Mm, yeah. Well, we'll probably see more TV spots, which will be shortened versions of trailers that we've seen so far. Don't know if we'll get, as you said, any more footage, like another three-minute trailer or anything like that uh, for Man of Steel, but it'll be interesting to see what we do get uh, as these next uh, month and... Well, just over two, just under two months now till the movie's release. Uh, but uh, we did hear finally some music from Hans Zimmer uh, from the score for this movie. Your thoughts on that? I don't think we've heard, you know, the a theme. specific theme yet. Um, you know, I'm not sure, as as none of us are, where exactly that's going to go. We know that Zimmer has announced beforehand that he wasn't going to try to mimic Williams. He wasn't going to try to top that per se. Mm-hmm. Although we 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 do have high hopes that that it will equal it in some way or another, yeah. and hopefully there will be some sort of discernible theme. I have found with um, uh, Spider-Man, with with uh, Avengers, with Batman that there isn't really a theme that kids, adults, everybody can kind of walk out of the theater, you know, waving their fists back and forth and singing. Um, So I'm hoping that there will be something along those lines. That being said, however, I was very moved by what we did get. Hmm. Um, I I read beforehand about this 12-drum circle where they got some some well-known drummers from different bands and different areas, and they brought them together, and they were going to put this whole sort of sound together. And you can hear it in the trailer. You know, it starts off quiet with with piano, and it's very touching, and we're seeing the emotional side of of Jor-El and and also of, of Jonathan Kent. And then, of course, it ramps up when the action starts to ramp up. And I think that the... The drums are incredible. I mean, I think they are stirring and they do kind of make you feel like, you know, in a way I kind of felt like I'm Superman. Like, I'm, you know, my arms are up and I'm, <laughs> you know, showing my muscles and I'm feeling ramped up. I'm feeling like a wrestler, like walking down the aisle and getting ready to crawl over the turnbuckle and climb in and fight somebody. It just uh, kind of got me going. And And then, of course, there were little strains of music in there, which I think if expanded upon we could hear what uh, we often talk about as being the word Superman mm-hmm. present in the soundtrack. And and, and uh, since we did not hear the full three-strain uh, part, I think this, again, isn't the theme, but that there might still be one. Yeah, we don't know what part of the film this music is from. Uh, we don't know if it's the, you know, the main theme of the movie, but uh, it was uh, very uh, interesting to hear. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, I like the piano, especially in the beginning, while um, Jarrell's looking on at what seems to be some type of civil war uh, or some kind of an attack on in Krypton's actual, you know, on pl- on the planet Krypton. Uh, there were so many great scenes in this movie. Uh, any concerns people had about Pa Kent, about Jonathan Kent and his motives and his emotions were totally swept aside. I think with that one scene about uh, where he tells Clark, "You are my son," and uh, I think uh, it uh, raised a lump and a tear to many eyes watching this trailer. Uh, it was uh, an emotional uh, beat in the in the trailer, 
And uh, just from there, just as you said, ramped up. Uh, we got to see Superman walking out of what appeared to be the doors at the Fortress of Solitude. Um, we saw, you know, a lot of fighting scenes. We saw what pe- so many people have been wa- wondering and hoping for, Superman punching someone. I don't know why that seems to be such a, 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 you know, a bonus for so many people. But we see him punching Zod a number of times in midair at the very end of the scene. And we get that great little uh, segment with uh, Lois interviewing or interrogating Superman uh, at, the, at a government facility uh, where he's in shackles and, you know, she's asking him about the S on his chest. And uh, the editing in that is obviously there's a lot of heavy e- editing at the time where she's about to say the word Superman. And obviously that's done for comedic reasons for the trailer. I don't think we're seeing uh, exactly how that plays out in the actual movie. No, and I think um, people are kind of used to the idea that they do that in trailers now, mm-hmm. even though um, it, it seems oftentimes when you see something like that, uh, people come down on it, just like with the Jonathan Kent thing and the maybe, and yeah. we don't know where that is or how it comes out or what order it's in or what the actual impetus of that is. But same thing here. Um, it could be that she's interrupted before she could say it, but it might not be. And uh, who exactly knows what happened there? I also don't know. You know, we talked about before that it kind of um, uh, puts a new um, spin on him being taken away in, in handcuffs. And, and I, I, it seems to be uh, much too calm an interview for there to be a war raging outside with yeah. Zod. Yeah. So I'm not sure that the uh, the horror of Zod has even happened yet at this point or where we're at. Obviously, uh, none of us know. Uh, but I do, as you say, love that uh, little scene. It's you know you get all this pounding action at you for a while, and then and then it slows down, and you got uh, this quiet moment between Lois and Superman, and uh, you know he's just all kind of nonchalant and laid back, but also full of uh, confidence and charm at the same time. And 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 she again uh, looks great. I think uh, I love Amy Adams, but. Uh, and 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 you know puts the question to him kind of in a um, sly kind of um, snarky way, and I like that. Yeah, very cheeky. Uh, there's so much chemistry in there, but in that just that little segment between the two of them, uh, Henry Cavill, as you said, is very charming, and Amy Adams just comes across as very lovable in that uh, go get it type of uh, attitude that she has, um, and obviously has a big standing. In the eyes of you know the people running the show, because when does a newspaper reporter get to do the questioning in a government secure facility of a, an alien being? So obviously she has a pretty high standing or has a reason for being the one who's doing the interviewing. Yeah, I did. I did think of that after the fact. You know, they're in this enclosed room and he's still shackled, and all the army guys are outside, and um, I found myself wondering how she got in there, which. Um, on its face is actually pretty awesome because Lois is supposed to be this go-getter, this person who can get around kind of boundaries and, and get inside and, and get information that other people can't get. And it's it's it kind of, you know, without there being an actual character description, it kind of gives you an opening to see what Lois Lane is really about. And uh, uh, that, that shows us so much more than uh, you would think you would see from just such a tiny little snippet. Yeah. Um, and also she does a little bit of narration earlier mm-hmm. on. I don't know if she's talking to Perry White or if she's explaining why she hasn't been able to get this story or if she's just talking to us or if that's going to be kind of a running narration at different times through the movie, which might be kind of a cool thing. I mean, I don't think I want narration from beginning to end from Lois, but it might be kind of neat if 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 at certain points, you know, 
throughout the movie, we hear kind of a narration of what her story her is going to be. You know that they do that a lot of times in the, in the comic books, where one person will be writing about whatever it is we're reading, mm. the actual action of the story, and then there'll be little blocks where, and then at the end you see that they've been typing this into a computer or whatever, and that we're seeing the. Uh, throughout, we're seeing that the narration that we read is them writing this story, and 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 that kind of made me think that they might be doing something like that with Lois, which would also increase her role and make her more important to the story that we're watching. Yeah, and also the fact that she's been doing this long research, this long search for this person who's a ghost, who's a savior, who's you know obviously there's been this uh, guardian angel that's been going around saving people. You know we've seen him on a fishing boat, we've seen him on a, a oil um, refinery uh, platform. You know, we've seen, we've, obviously he does all these saving kind of activities that he has to do throughout his travels, but then he has to move on because obviously he's, you know, people's questions start being asked. So she's obviously following this trail for a number of years of this uh, person who, you know, seems to be doing these amazing uh, feats. I get the impression that, that it's it's kind of a personal journey for her, a thing mm. that, for some reason, and 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 I think it, I think how cool would it be if if at some point, when she was a little bit younger, uh, you know, he was involved with her in some way, mm. saving her, saving her family, saving someone close to her, um, and and so now she has reason to believe, uh, for sure, that he exists, that he's out there. You know, he's not some uh, Bigfoot or or you know um, a Loch Ness monster thing where. You know she's running around chasing after a, um, a tabloid story, but that she she really has this knowledge, this firsthand knowledge of this guy, and she really wants to find out his story because she feels like she owes him kind of uh, for saving her life or someone else's life that that she was close to. This would be, I think, would be a, an, an excellent way to uh, kind of explain why she had been um, so so kind of interested in, in in finding out about this, but also. If there are these big events where he's he's rescuing people and it's in the news and things, but they just don't have pictures of him, uh, it would be clear to all of us that that there was someone doing things. You know, it's not like, oh, I was out hunting with my brother and I saw Bigfoot. You know, it's uh, different than that. <laughs> yeah. if, if, you know, when you have a big giant oil refinery breaking down and hundreds of people are saved somehow, and there's no real explanation for it, but every single one of the hundred people describes this man who saved them it's a little different than you know people seeing he's, spots yeah, moving through the sky that. and you know claiming that there were aliens or, yeah. or, or whatever so yeah, exactly uh, i don't think it it makes her necessarily seem like she's an obsessed ufo chaser uh especially if if they give us uh which it seems like they're going to more clear evidence that there is a person there that needs to be kind of tracked down yeah it's very interesting and uh We'll wait and see what uh, happens with uh, more of Man of Steel's marketing and and uh, promotion as uh, the weeks ahead uh, go by. Oh, I'm going to cool. go by very how quickly. Cool. How cool does Krypton look? Yeah, it looks like a living, breathing planet. It's you know it has animals. It has you know uh, cities. It has nature. You know, it just seems like a, a real like I said, living, breathing planet, which kind of adds more gravitas to the fact that it's destroyed or that there is a problem there. Uh, we don't know uh, what's going to happen, but uh, it just kind of adds more realism to it. Yeah, I always felt like there was like 47 people on Krypton and they all lived inside this egg that opened up and there was ice out there and, and they all died. And I was like, okay, you know, 
43 people on a planet. That's terrible. But, you know, it's not it's not like if the Earth, you know, it didn't seem like the Earth to me. It didn't seem like something I could really relate to. It didn't seem like, you know, an entire civilization. And then that civilization's animal populace and, you know, everything that was about that planet was destroyed. It seemed like, okay, a big giant ball of ice blew up and a couple of people died. Uh, That's the impression I always got from from the original films. And I had always said, you know, obviously that was really dramatic and it was done really well. And, you know, that was probably the best part of that movie when you break it down, because then when they got to Metropolis, it got a little silly and jokey and Lex was kind of silly. And, you know, but that part was really taken seriously and if only it was expanded upon and it was kind of more of a world and here we have exactly what I personally have been looking for for so long you know this colorful world that's 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 clearly alive and is a planet you know and I assume we're going to see more and you know more than just five people in a con you know in a, in a congress talking about whether or not they want to put people in hula hoops and take them away you know <laughs> uh, also somebody mentioned um and there were screenshots, and I still can't make out a body, but um, the, the flying creature that they show at the beginning, uh, there's either speculation or it's been confirmed by the producers or the writers or by Snyder that that is a, uh, a mount and that it is Jor-El's mount. This, I don't know if this is a rumor or if this has actually been confirmed somewhere, and the picture kind of shows it zoomed in, and I, I can't make out a, yeah. uh, a form. I got the impression on. that there was somebody riding this dragonfly beast. Uh, that was the impression I got. But again, I can't confirm that. Yeah, I didn't get that. When I watched it, I just thought, oh, look at that, creatures. I didn't really think. But uh, yeah, if he is, that's, that is kind of cool. They, yeah. you know, There's another shot later on where I couldn't make out what was behind this person, but there's a figure kind of plummeting through the air, and there's like three streaks of silver behind him that, that almost look like sideways buildings, but they're in a weird angle that how would you get them behind you like that? And from some of the other analysis that I've been looking at, it, it seems like that is interpreted to be a shot on Krypton of somebody diving at Jor-El or someone else on one of these dragon. I don't know how they got all this from these such quick snippets, but I guess people break these things down and, and, and come up with their own theories. But uh, uh, I don't know what, what you thought of that or who you thought that was or where you thought that was. Or... Yeah, I, again, I've, uh, it's very hard to make out, or like you said, they've, you know, take a second or so of these little these quick scenes. And uh, that was just an impression I got with the dragonfly thing that there was somebody writing that. I'm not recalling the other streaks, the things coming behind that you were you were just referring to there, but uh, yeah, I guess a lot of fans are just speculating on things or have read rumors of you know other reviews or reports that you know people who've supposedly seen uh, early screenings of this film and and trying to connect dots that maybe are not there. But uh, it's interesting to speculate, and again, June will let it will reveal all and. Uh, but until we get there, we've got all these uh, promotions and marketing things going on, all this merchandise coming out. Um, Kellogg's, which is great to see Kellogg's involved with Superman once again. Obviously, they were a very big sponsor of the show in the 1940s and 1950s with the uh, radio series and then the, the George Reeves TV show, uh, you know, the Adventures of Superman. They were the major sponsor of Superman back then. So it's great to see Kellogg's involved with a Superman pro- uh, uh, project once again, and they're doing a promotion where uh, you know you buy selected products of their uh, Kellogg's uh, different uh, you know food uh, products, and there are bar- a barcode that you can scan using their new app that they've got, 
and unlocks certain powers, and you can win some fabulous prizes with uh, this Kellogg's promotion. Fabulous, fabulous. I heard that they're going to give you the ability to fly. They're going to give you super strength. Uh, you're going to be able to be really fast. These are yeah. just some of the things I've heard. You know? Well, they're going to give you, like you said, the powers of Superman or the equivalent in prizes. Uh, you've got flight, which is uh, an airline ticket for a year, so two round trip tickets per month. Uh, strength, a personal trainer for a year, one session per week. Speed, a 2013 Ford Mustang. Mm-hmm. Vision, more uh, movie tickets for a year for a family of four. I mean, these are great prizes. I mean, I'll, they are. any of that, that's, they're, they're worth nice. quite a bit of money. Now, what is that? Is that the grand prize or is that uh, four people are going to win one of each of these? Well, it says look for codes inside specially marked Cheez-It, Keebler, Kellogg's uh, and Pop-Tarts products. For your chance to become the Man of Steel, each time you enter a code, you could win instantly. Uh, but it doesn't say. I mean, you have to go to the. You have to be part of the Kellogg's Family Rewards program uh, to enter. Uh, so you go to Kellogg'sFamilyRewards.com/slash/Man-of-Steel, and there'll be more details there in regards to uh, being involved in that uh, promotion. I think everybody should do that because who doesn't want the powers of Superman or a Ford Mustang? Exactly. <laughs> now, there are some other great products like uh, Kotobukiya and Square Enix have come out with figures and statues that they're releasing for Man of Steel, which uh, look pretty awesome. Jeez, uh, I don't know how people are going to afford all these products for Man of Steel. Ugh, I, 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 I don't know either. I'm not really worried about everybody else. I'm just thinking <laughs> about me. And I have no idea. You know, I've already put some pre-orders on a few. You know, I, I, there was there was, there was was there's one that's like a... Uh, it's it almost looks it's somewhat anime looking but it's a but it's a figure but it's a a adult collector figure and they're like 80 bucks and they're just you know they're not it's not a statue it's yeah. a figure with yeah. posable arms and stuff and you know removable hands if you want to put a different grip on there or whatever and you know i wanted that and then i found out it was 80 bucks and i'm like ah, i don't know if i can do it and you know thinking about other people like us, as you say, I don't, I don't, I, I have no idea how people are going to, uh, you know, remortgage their home. I, I mean, I... <laughs> yeah. it's, uh, it's troubling a lot of the, and, uh, you know, I mean, a lot of fans, you know, young people, uh, I don't know how much disposable income they've got to, uh, to fork out 80 bucks on a figure, like you said, or these statues that, you know, we, we Going to the movie alone is going to cost you, you know, a pretty packet if you want to see it a couple of times, which a number of us probably will. We want to see it in IMAX, want to see it in 3D, 2D, you know, whatever you can. Um, and speaking of movie tickets, uh, their advanced movie tickets are on sale now uh, for people in the USA and UK. Um, the UK just to today, as we're recording this, uh, announced uh, six cinemas that are taking uh, advanced movie ticket uh, bookings for Man of Steel. Um, so it's it's happening. Wow, that's. I mean, I'm just looking again at these Square Enix uh, figures. They look so cool. Mm. You know, you can imagine these on a shelf or in like one of your, you know, cabinets with the lights and stuff. You know, and but uh, I just don't know. I just don't know <laughs> what to do. What to do? Exactly. How uh, am I gonna? Yeah, how I, am I gonna finance this? I think this uh, the, the Kotobukiya one. I think is the one that I actually uh, already pre-ordered, <laughs> I believe. But it's again, it's it's just there's so many cool looking things, and this is a great looking statue. 
You know, the colors are vibrant. Uh, the suit, of course, is a slightly muted, darker tone of blue, but the cape is bright red. Mm. Uh, you know, uh, it just looks... It looks like something you'd want to have on your shelf as a, a Superman fan. Yeah, exactly. And you've got the DC collectible ones. You've got uh, the uh, Mattel Movie Masters one. There's just so many great figures and statues coming out. Not to mention the Mattel, you know, the small action figures that you get for kids in that, um, you know, which there's going to be a million of those because they're just going to come out in all different flavors and colors and, you know, all these little trick things that you can do with all the different ones. Uh, I'm probably looking more at the high-end ones, like you said, the figures, the figurines, the statues that are more of adult display items than the the toys so much. But uh, there's just so much coming out. They just all look so great. Uh, it's uh, it's going to be very difficult to pick and choose and to, to finance uh, what is going to be an expensive uh, hobby. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just hoping that um, we see finally uh, an entire aisle or two in Toys R Us like Batman has had for 10 years, uh, a Superman aisle for kids, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, even if you're not going to buy them yourself. But, you know, with Kellogg's involved and you know, Walmart's going to have this whole thing where they're selling advanced tickets and yep. employees are all going to wear capes and That's things. Right. I, I think kids are going to get excited and I could see a place where, you know, you kind of have a whole aisle or more of, of these different Superman figures and vehicles and, and all kinds of different things. Yeah, I mean, how cool is it that Walmart's getting involved? You don't They don't usually sell movie tickets as far as I understand it. Um, so for them to have this big promotion where their staff are going to be wearing capes, they're going to be having all these different things. Uh, that just it shows to me that there's obviously a lot of excitement and a lot of uh, you know a build up for this movie and expectation of this movie that I just I hope it lives up to. Yeah, it's so exciting. I almost went out and filled out a Walmart application today because <laughs> just so I thought so that I could be involved with this whole thing, you know? Because yeah. you know you're working there and people get to take home the little uh, end caps, the 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 you know it's a big picture of Superman yeah. or it's a big S or. You know, and you get you get some bonuses if you're involved with that kind of a promotion. You know, uh, already we've seen the I guess the Walmart employee magazine or something had an exclusive uh, kind of small picture that no one else has seen in there, kind of announcing to their employees that they're going to be doing this promotion, and um, it's just really uh, really cool. And and I think you know to answer a lot of the people who have been saying there's no marketing going on no one cares about this movie they're going to let it go by the wayside i mean walmart is a huge company and and hundreds of thousands of people go through there every day and uh to see all the employees wearing capes and to see all of the posters that are going to be up and all the advertising just in the store alone is going to be a huge marketing boost and and clearly they're putting time and effort into making deals with these other companies and things to get the word out there yeah so much happening with man of steel it's really exciting and uh we're just uh you know waiting now for those uh couple of weeks to go it's going to happen really quickly um still haven't heard anything about a world premiere uh but uh hopefully get some details there because i am headed stateside and i want to be there so uh as do you. i honestly can't believe we're this close already i, I mean know. it's uh, <laughs> you know it just seems like not that long ago, people were saying, two years? Oh, my God, how can we wait two years? You know, and we're already here. It's, it's, it is upon us. And, yes, I would love to be uh, – you know, of course, it's easier for me. I live here. Um, but uh, depending on where it's going to be, how far you got to go, what it's going to cost, and, and how I could possibly be involved, uh, uh, it would be nice to, to, to get some information sometime. Yeah. Now let's move away from Man of Steel. We've pretty much covered what's happened to date. 
around that movie. There's all little other different things going on. Obviously, there's uh, you know Empire magazine covers uh, for the June 2013 edition of that magazine that look fantastic. There's interviews and things going around, giveaways. Uh, but uh, we'll move on to Superman Unbound, the animated movie that obviously is based on the Jeff Johns Superman Brainiac story from the comic books. That comes out May 7th, and we've seen a couple of preview clips now uh, posted on the internet for that animated movie. Uh, I'm, I'm, it's kind of been overshadowed by Man of Steel, obviously, for Superman fans, but it's still something I'm looking forward to. I'm very much looking forward to it. I've, I've enjoyed most of these direct-to-DVD uh, animated features, and I, 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 you know, I'm more a DC fan and always have been, and of course Superman being number one, but I... I have tried to watch some of the Marvel animated releases, and I just don't, I, I don't find them to be as well done as these. Uh, you know, and I'm not even talking about specific animation choices on each film because they change with each one, and some of them I'm more happy with than, than others. But I don't know if it's, if it's story, if it's emotional content. I'm not exactly sure um, what it is about it, but they're just more appealing to me they're they're easier to watch i get i get more fulfillment out of watching these dc ones than i do uh any of the others and and i think a lot of times the animation is fantastic the voice acting is so much better than in most other you know forms of television animation or you know release straight to dvd animation and they just they you know they must do well enough that they keep making these and and they keep making them with such great quality that, uh, you know, and I like, you know, looking at this one, I like the idea that he's kind of, uh, you know, we're talking about Lois Lane having snark in the trailer, that he kind of has a little snark to him, mm. you know, when he's answering Brainiac or, or saying certain things. It's, it's I kind of like the idea that he might make little um, quips while he's, you know, uh, fighting with something, you know, because a lot of people say it doesn't make sense for Spider-Man sometimes because he's just the guy and he could be killed and, and is it really a joking matter when you're about to be crushed to death but uh, with Superman not many things can really hurt him you know they can knock him around a little or throw him across the room but he's going to get up every time so why not say something every time he does <laughs> yeah and you mentioned the, the voice cast uh, and how uh, you know, just how well-rounded they are and uh, the casting itself is fantastic. I mean, in this one alone, we've got Matt Bomer, uh, who's the voice of Superman and has been connected with Superman in various incarnations for quite a number of years, was almost cast uh, in a, you know, never-made uh, live-action movie. Uh, he was uh, in a Japanese car commercial as Superman, <laughs> and now he gets to voice the, the character of Superman in this animated movie. We've got John Noble, uh, who just sounds fantastic in this role as Brainiac. And then you've got uh, Castle TV stars Molly Quinn and Stunner Caddick uh, as uh, the voices of Supergirl and Lana Lane, sorry, Lois Lane, uh, respectively, uh, and just an all-round stellar cast. Yeah, I mean they they go all out with you know they're not just just casting anybody in these and they do it every time it seems like um, anytime they make one of these they're they're putting the time the effort the money the energy into and and uh, and coming up with something something pretty great every time so I think fans should be really looking forward to this one. Yeah, and they don't just settle with the the same old people that they have. You know, they could just go to Tim Daly or George Newbern every time they need a Superman voice. But they're trying something different. They're trying something new, and I think it's it's interesting to hear the different interpretations of these character roles. I, I think uh, my hat goes off to 
uh, to Warner Brothers Animation for, for trying different things with these uh, new animated movies. Absolutely. You know, when I when I was listening to the one clip, uh, Matt Bomer actually, and I don't know if he, he probably didn't do it on purpose, but uh, for a moment I actually thought it was Tim Daly uh, doing the voice. Um, so I don't know if that was a purposeful decision or if that just, if they both just seem to have a similar take or similar idea or maybe their voices just sound similar, but uh I had to I had to re-realize that it was Matt Bomer in this one. Yeah, it seems well. Obviously, they got Andrea Romano, who's the voice casting director, uh, would obviously give them instructions on a particular way that Superman should sound. I guess in in some respects, but uh, generally these people are cast because they may sound uh, like Superman should sound. Uh, a lot of people have trouble distinguishing between Tim Daly and George Newbern, uh, and uh, you know, so it's not out of the realms of possibility that Matt Bomer sounds very similar to those guys as well. No, that makes sense. <laughs> okay, well, let's move into our comic book discussions. Uh, obviously, let's there's nothing it. on TV that we can talk about anymore. Uh, but we no, don't. but Smallville Season 12, that's going to be on NBC next year. Of course, we've all heard about that. Yes, and Young Justice uh, Season <laughs> 13. Uh, that's right. Uh, we don't want to pick that scab anymore. Uh, that's an old wound that uh, we need Super to... Super Friends, <laughs> Champions of the Galaxy or whatever, that's coming back, of course. <laughs> yes, and um, Fleischer Cartoon Season uh, 33. <laughs> right. <laughs> but uh, comic books, uh, Superman number 18 was uh, probably the one that just came out right after we recorded our last uh, episode of uh, this podcast. And that was the one where Superman refuses the U.S. government to enter his fortress of solitude and do some investigating. Yeah, I can already hear, uh, uh, I haven't searched for it, but I can already hear fans going, that's not something Superman would do. And then I'll hear other ones saying, oh, so Superman's not such a pansy for the U.S. government. Um, uh, and I, I, you know, I didn't really have a take on it one way or another other than um, it kind of makes sense that, He's not going to let people traipse around inside the Fortress of Solitude. Yeah, I mean, it's his but home. Uh, you know. But uh, it, it makes sense to me. And it, you know, he might have come across as a bit brash or as a bit arrogant. But, um, yeah, it's, it's not inside the U.S. Um, airspace or ground space or whatever you want to call it. So it's not really up to them to say, hey, we want to have a look at what's going on up in your Antarctic or Arctic Fortress or wherever it is. It's supposed to be, um, you know. Well, I guess Lois did say to him that it was an international tribunal. It wasn't. Uh, well, uh, the... it wasn't just the United States saying it, uh, but apparently, you know, kind of like the UN or or League of Nations or something. Where we're in chapter. Um, in the looking at the book right now, it says the United States Senate. Yeah, I think that's where it was taking place. But oh, then, okay. for some reason, when Lois meets him outside on the stairs, she says, "Any reason you decided to?" decline this international tribunal's request or whatever, um, which made me think that maybe it wasn't just people inside oh, yes. the U.S., but maybe it was other countries convening there as well Yes, you're right. that had some say on the international community, which would then mean that uh, just like when they put sanctions on countries for doing wrong things, that, that several countries with a say have come together and said, listen, this concerns all of us. We need to find out what's going on up there. And, and and I can see it from their side as well. Now, Superman's our hero, so we immediately want to side with him. But on the other hand, 
um, a, a big disaster did just happen up there, um, and it was centered right at the Fortress of Solitude. So uh, people in charge with kind of helping make sure their countries stay safe and their people stay alive um, and that the world keeps on, you know, turning would probably be extremely curious, but not only curious, but worried about what's going on up there and what else might come out of there and, and how Superman actually is involved. It kind of reminds me of Man of Steel again. Um, you know, in the Christopher Reeve movies, it was just accepted that he was there. There was no, like, probing. There was no government trying to find out where this mm. alien being was from. There was no sense of, and a lot of people complain about the word realism, but there was no sense of how it might actually go down if a being of that kind of power came to the planet and also had a fortress like this that had this kind of power. I believe that the reactions would be very similar to what we see in this book um, because it is kind of a scary worrisome situation up there and what just happened almost destroyed the world so it makes sense to me from both sides he doesn't want them in there he's saying also to protect them but um it's his private area and and as long as nobody like hell shows up um, there isn't going to be any danger from his point of view yeah uh but uh yeah i mean uh, I, i the book was you know i found it a much quicker read than some of the other ones that we're going to be covering this month. And it's weird. I, I noticed at the very beginning that it kind of had a strange, like, watercolor look to it. And then it seemed to change later on. Uh, you know, when when he says to Lois on the steps, I'll, I'll see you around, and he flies off. I'm not sure I like that look in a comic book, but it looked a lot like something you might have on your wall. Like, it was very pretty to look at, but it didn't really seem like a comic book type thing. And then a few pages later, it gets very sloppy. The Daily Planet globe looks like a kid just wrote Daily Planet around a globe. And mm-hmm. uh, But I, but uh, then I find out as I get to the end that the reason it, it kind of took me out of the story was because, again, there are three different artists yep. drawing different pages. And I, I hate when they do that, and I'm not really sure why it continues to happen. But it takes you out of the when you know, when you're reading it and it looks one way and then it changes, and then it goes back to the other way and then it goes to a third way. It, it, it's for me anyway. When I'm reading it, I, I, it, I it's really noticeable to me and, and it takes me out of the story. And I wish that they wouldn't do that. Mm. Obviously, there is an issue with artists being able to complete a task uh, within a certain time frame. But uh, I understand what you're saying, and, and it's noticeable, as you say, in Chapter 2, where we get Cat uh, Grant trying to convince Clark to join forces with her, this weird website that she's come up with. Uh, I can't even, what was it? Uh, Clark Catopolis Clark or something, right? <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and then all these people start jumping off the roof of this uh uh, yeah, Clark Catropolis, you're right, dot com. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, all these people, all these revelers uh, just start jumping off the roof that of the club that they're at, and he's got to go jump and, and fly down and save them. And as soon as he brings them back, they jump off again, and uh, he realizes that there's a sub kind of frequency coming from the DJ's equipment, and he destroys that uh, to stop people from doing what they're doing. And Cat uh, gets a bit of a scoop there, and you know she's on first on the scene for this new story, and... Uh, and that's pretty much the end of this, the comic, except for this uh, this epilogue uh, that we see after that. I like Cat's 
idea, you know, from her point of view, I think it works perfectly for her character, the type of character that she is, Mm -hmm. the type of thing she wants to be involved with. with. But I also think that it's very in character for Clark not to be interested. Um, He's not glitzy. He's not glamorous. He's not trying to be a star. He, 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 you know, he wants to get the truth out there, but I don't know that he wants to be involved with this type of thing. And in the epilogue, as you mentioned, you know, I like the final line. It's, it's funny and it's ironic because he's saying, Oh, well, he doesn't seem like he's going to be much of a problem. And of course we know that he is, (laughs) and we know that there's going to be ensuing difficulty. Um, but, but what I don't like is it seems like in, in all of the books we've heard from many different conveyors of the future that Superman is going to be the cause of a lot of ruin in the future you know, and and, and that that terrible things are going to be wrought because of Superman. And then, you know, my understanding, as well as yours, I'm sure, and many, many other people's, is that Superman is a great source of light and hope and goodness and, you know, prosperity in the future uh, and in the present. And and it seems like in, in every book, and I don't know if it's the new 52 or if they're just trying to create, you know, mystery or, or, or whatever, but it, it seems like they're kind of making it so that Superman is set up to be this harbinger of horribleness. Well, as you were saying before earlier in the show about, you know, does Superman attract these bad guys coming to Metropolis and doing these things because of who he is? Uh, obviously, he's not doesn't create these problems, but obviously he's a magnet for them in some respects uh, because people seek him out or people... Uh, you know, want to uh, destroy what he's about. So um, I can see that how that could be twisted to seem that he was the person creating these problems if indeed he's a magnet for the problems, not necessarily the cause of the problems in the beginning. But uh, we get Hector Hammond at the end of foreshadowing of something that's going to be happening there. Now, moving on, we've got Action Comics. Uh, Action Comics number 19 uh, is uh, the next issue that we're going to be uh, talking about. What did you make of Andy Diggle's first issue as writer for a not very long run of of Action Comics. (laughs) Well, it's very interesting because I found this story to be much more interesting than anything I've read from the Morrison run lately. Yeah, I'm with you, 100%. This Uh, is a thoroughly enjoyable issue. uh, But we have have Lex Luthor. We find out at the end that uh, he has somehow uh, uh, given him some sort of infection. Yeah. By by this fight that he had with these uh, metallic uh, mech kind of warrior outfits that the guys were wearing. Yeah, and uh, this infection, you know, this infection that he implants in Superman. It's obviously been something that he's, you know, been planning for a long time, and it just looks very horrible at the end. It seems to be uh, very painful and taking over the rest of his body. And the next issue is called the Beast Within, which mm. uh, doesn't bode well for Superman. No, not at all. He uh, he looks like, you know, he's it's kind of eating away at his arm, you know, and and then as you say, it, it looks like it's gonna maybe somehow take over his whole body. I I found myself wondering when I read it that uh, when I don't feel like I still don't feel like we have gotten a Lex Luthor kind of origin. Like, mm. who is this guy? What happened to his face? How does he know about kryptonite? What's his deal with Superman? You know, we saw him kind of have a couple of interactions with him, but I don't really remember Kryptonite even being introduced to the world proper. So I don't even know how 
you know, maybe I'm just missing something, but Lex Luthor knows about it and, and is using it against him and, and is turning him into something or turning his body against him, or I, I'm, I'm not exactly sure. And Lex's face in this is all fine. Like, there's no scarring in this issue. So, obviously, it's set before Lex's uh, facial damage. Yeah, it's weird because, you know, and I know that action was earlier, you know, but it was also supposed to be earlier when he was in the jeans and then five years later when he was in the full suit and here he's in the full suit, but Lex doesn't have a burned up face or whatever. So I'm not sure when or where these things, and maybe we're getting to that, but Mm. then that doesn't explain when kryptonite came in or how he knows about that or, you know, you got, you got Lois and Clark kind of flirting with each other before she meets John, who we saw in the first issue of Superman. And, She's got a relationship going with him, and of course Clark is forlorn because he thought maybe he would have something going with Lois. But then there's this John guy, and it looks like Lois is kind of into Clark at the beginning, and she's going to remove his glasses, and then they, of course, get interrupted. So then I'm reminded that he's in a relationship with Wonder Woman, but yet here he is flirting with Lois. But it turns out that this is before he was in a relationship with Wonder Woman. So what I find myself often saying is – and it happened with Morrison, and this I don't believe this is Andy Diggle's fault. I believe it's more a DC editorial kind of department where all the books are so kind of sporadic and not really connected that the whole idea of the New 52 being accessible to new people seems like a complete fabrication because yeah. this type of thing seems – like it would confuse people as opposed to help people to understand what they're reading or where they're at who you know because if somebody reads this and and doesn't realize certain things or whatever just like me they go well i thought he was dating wonder woman or i thought lois and him weren't together i thought yeah there's no linear progression yeah it's very i think it's difficult unless they're really just concentrating on people who are reading only one book that seems like a disservice to the people who are reading all four books. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Uh, it's, it does seem a bit confusing, and it is a little bit confusing, especially with not knowing where this sits in the timeline of the stories. But uh, I enjoyed this issue as it was, trying to fit it in. I mean, without trying to fit it into where it might exist in the you know the continuity of things, the story itself was well written and uh, well drawn. The covers were fantastic. And uh, looking forward to seeing where how this plays out. But uh, moving on to Superboy number 19, as we were kind of alluding to before. Yeah, you've got this time travel story of Harvest uh, and how he... Pretty much an origin story for Harvest and where he went and why he's... You know, why he is the way he is. The fact that he did lose his own son. Uh, the fact that uh, he went to, you know, back in time to get the DNA of Superman and Lois Lane's child. and um, And then... You know what happened there with the the child. I don't want to spoil too much about how that happened, what happened, but obviously time changed, things changed. The fact that Superman didn't end up with Lois was a big changer in Harvest's timeline, and uh, necessitated in him uh, going down a different path with his plans. And uh, but he still has his finger in the you know machinations of what's happening there with Superboy uh, as we know him now. Well, it looks like. Lois and Clark did get together and did have a child, and then he almost died or whatever, but didn't really die. And I'm wondering how Harvest was able to get access to this child. Yeah, in the fortress. 
in the first place uh, to even get in there. And, you know, if if you're Superman and Lois and you think that your child is no more, you you would have some sort of a a service or something and you would put him in a protective place, which I guess is the fortress. And then somehow Harvest got it. Well, I guess if he can travel through time, he must have a way to open up his doorway to wherever he wants to. But that makes sense. uh, You know, but then many times he's talking about avenging the murder of my child. But it seems like his whole point is to travel through time to stop it from happening, in which case he wouldn't be avenging. He'd be stopping it from occurring in the first place, which seems to be the smartest thing to do if you're able to travel through through time you don't need to worry about revenge because the people that did what they did to cause you to do what you're doing aren't going to be in existence if you succeed i didn't think of that uh probably right <laughs> i didn't either but uh you make a good point if you're able to do all these amazing things and time travel and go back to places why not just go back to the source of your problems in the first place and and fix that but i guess then we wouldn't have the story that we have uh, so well, yeah. I mean, I, I just thought that was actually part of what he was doing. He's just kind of in the middle of it. He didn't succeed yet, yeah. so I think in his mind, he's still emotionally distraught and still wants to get revenge on the people who did it. But I, I thought at the beginning, what he had said was he was going to stop the Metas from coming into power and from doing what they do. Mm. In which case, then his son wouldn't be dead, and you know he wouldn't have the problem that he has. But instead, he's harvesting all these Meta power people instead. Uh, which uh, seems at odds with his original plan, as you say. But uh, moving in on to Supergirl, Supergirl number 19, sees a Supergirl come across Power Girl, and uh, we don't get the, the usual fare of you know these two heroes having a massive fight and not understanding each other uh, from the get-go and you know having a, uh, a misunderstanding and fighting each other, which is usually the way these things go. We actually have the two of them deciding uh, to team up because, well, pretty much they're identical yeah i guess um you know i i didn't think that that was the case um initially with power girl but in the new 52 at least and and maybe i'm wrong there but it seems like they are both kara Mm uh just from you know power girls from earth 2 and i don't read earth 2 so i'm not sure how she got here or why she's here or if they're going to stay here permanently or what the situation is but uh, you're right they're uh, to the point where they're confusing the villain, <laughs> who knew he was going to fight both of them, um, but there's two of them, and they're both uh, they both seem the same, except I guess maybe one's a little bit older. Yeah, it's it's not really clear just what the differences are between them, but uh, even Sanctuary, Supergirl's Kryptonian, if you if you like her own Fortress of Solitude there under the ocean. Uh, recognizes them both, but then has a bit of a glitch and thinks one's the clone of the other. If, if there are two there, then one must be a clone. And as we know, clones are not well uh, liked on Krypton or are the source of a lot of destruction and, and, and damage on Krypton. So uh, whether or not it's recognizing the correct Kara as the clone, we don't know at this point in time, but that will be uh, found out in Supergirl number 20, Next month, uh, I was interested to see Power Girl get her classic costume, if you like, uh, in this issue. Well, I thought it was strange, you know, to go back to what you were saying about Sanctuary. Uh, I, I, I took notice of it because it was clear that the computers or whatever the artificial intelligence is that run Sanctuary uh, recognized that they were both there, helped them both, 
you know, took Kara, healed her for the time being, uh, gave the other Kara her, her new suit, which is, in fact, the old suit, um, and then suddenly decides that everything's not okay. But in the meantime, it had already done everything they asked it to do and helped both of them when it would have been much easier to just leave her collapse to the ground and then fight one of them or do whatever it's going to do. Um, so it seemed kind of odd. It almost seemed like somebody was interfering or something happened there to to... to make it suddenly decide that what was previously okay was no longer okay. Uh, and in, in, Kryptonian in terms technology of, might just be slow in the uptake. Uh, maybe. <laughs> if Smallville is any indication, um, <laughs> we got some crazy Kryptonian technology out there. Um, I, 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 I thought it was funny because Power Girl says she feels underdressed, and the reason she feels <laughs> underdressed is because her suit is torn to shreds. However... She is then given a new uniform that is more exposing than what she was previously wearing that she said she felt underdressed wearing. And I thought, again, it was also interesting. Obviously, fans have been clamoring from the beginning that these characters aren't the real characters. This isn't Superman. This isn't Superboy. Why are their costumes different? Why doesn't he have his red pants? Uh, and and the, all the clamoring rewards us is, okay, okay, Power Girl can have her old suit back. Mm. Power Girl, who is a secondary, not particularly well-known character, gets uh, fan service original uniform back, but uh, other characters don't. I, I found it interesting that that was the character that they kind of chose to revamp with a new suit already. Um, mm, yeah, interesting uh, thoughts there. I'm not sure why, what the what the reasoning is there, and whether or not that'll be mirrored in her own book. Uh, the fact that she's a guest in this Supergirl book and yet has a costume change here will be interesting to see if that plays out in her own uh, Earth 2 book. Uh, not sure. Or, or what's it called? World's Finest book. Um, not sure, but we'll, I guess I don't read that book, but uh, I'm sure people will tell us if that is the case. Now, uh, I found myself wondering, too, my memory of the previous DC Universe mm. was that the reason why only Superman's cape would often become tattered and torn in battle was because it was far enough away from his body mm. that the aura that protected his skin would also engulf the tight-fitting uniform. Yeah. And if Kryptonians have that, then how did Power Girl's body get, uh, you know, bodysuit get torn to shreds anyway? Or do they not have that anymore? No, and that's the reason do. why Superman's wearing armor. Yep. In which case, are we reading an actual explanation to the people who keep saying, why does Superman need armor? And people still are, whether or not you've heard it recently, people are still saying, I can't believe they got Superman in armor. In which case, this, to me, serves as a way to say, look, he's wearing armor because if he didn't, the types of battles that he got into would leave him naked. Yeah, it would uh, <laughs> rack up a bill of uh, T-shirts that he needed to continue uh, getting fixed. Uh, but yeah, I think that's very good reasoning there. The fact that uh, the costume would get torn uh, quite a bit if it wasn't this, you know, Kryptonian technology. I don't like the term armor because that indicates, you know, some type of a metallic type metal uh, costume where, in fact, it's obviously some type of Kryptonian fabric, not Kryptonian metal, you know, shiny right. stuff. But anyway. Uh, I like how it forms on him now because I always thought it was odd that he wore full boots and a cape underneath clothing. <laughs> His Clark Kent clothing, yeah. Uh, where, how does he fit it all? Uh, but uh, 
May is uh, obviously just around the corner, and that will see the first issue of The Adventures of Superman, the standalone mm. digital first uh, comic book series that will have uh, these short stories, um, you know, standing you know, totally alone, totally separate from current continuity of the new 52. Uh, we'll see classic Superman costume designs, we'll see different variations of stories, different variations of the characters. Uh, in uh, stories by guest artists and guest writers, uh, it will be interesting to see what is in Action Comics, sorry, Adventures of Superman number one, because of the fact that we've had this uh, controversy about uh, one of the writers who was supposed to be uh, writing the first issue. I think it's, you know, speaking of confusing people with multiple stories and storylines and, and, you know, timelines and continuities, here we go with another book, which I am excited about. Uh, that isn't that as another book that's not going to be in continuity that's going to have another Superman on it. That if you're a new reader, that this is supposed to interest going in, you go, Wait, I thought Superman didn't have the red pant, I thought they weren't together. I, well, I don't understand, and head exploded in the comic shop. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is probably for the, the people. I mean, they, they've got to explain it from you from the get go in some regard, and there's got to be some kind of a, a introduction or some kind of an explanation at the beginning of this of these comics to say that these are standalone stories that uh, probably just casual comic book people, you know, people who have, don't read comic books or don't want to pick up a month-to-month thing, just want to be able to go back to the old good old days where you could uh, pick up a comic book, read the story within, and it was self-contained, and you didn't have to know what happened in the previous issue or the issue coming after it. It was just a, a self-contained story, and you enjoyed it for what it was without knowing where it fit or what had happened or where these characters were from. They were just kind of iconic versions of the of the characters that uh, most of the general public know about. That is a very interesting way to put it. So hopefully that's what it is and that's what it pans out to be and that uh, people who just want to be casual comic book readers uh, can enjoy and, and pick up this issue and we'll be reviewing it at the Superman homepage. So stand by for Adventures of Superman coming out in May. Now let's move away from our comic book discussions. There's been lots going on elsewhere outside the you know regular stories and, and movies and things like that. Uh, Warner Brothers won another legal battle. Obviously, we know now that they've won the rights, uh, complete rights to Superman from the Siegel and Schuster families who are trying to win back those copyrights. But now they also win the Superboy rights uh, to the character of Superboy. So uh, whether or not we'll see movies or some kind of websites and news places are, are saying, oh, this opens the door now for a Superboy movie, I don't necessarily see that see that as something that Warner Brothers were aiming for. But at least it now opens the door for proper Superboy comics, for the release of those Superboy a- animated episodes from the adve- New Adventures of Superman uh, comic um, animated shows back in the 1966 era. Uh, it just opens up the door for more Superboy stuff moving forward. Now, I didn't read through the whole thing, but did they also get the rights to Super Pup? Because I'm waiting for a proper release of that. Uh, I don't think you're going to be seeing that um, unaired pilot on primetime TV any any day soon. <laughs> okay. I think that's a good Just wanted to ask. <laughs> you're probably right. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it looks like the legal battles are really coming to an end and the never-ending story, a never-ending battle of... Uh, of legal fights might just have an ending in sight and, and seem for to now, be over. although I think they won every time before and it just uh, eight years go by and they try again. Mm, maybe, but uh, for now it seems like the path is clear for Warner Brothers 
to uh, continue to use Superman, Superboy, and their um, associated uh, uh, characters. Uh, and there but, was much rejoicing. Yeah, and now uh, Injustice Gods Among Us. It's a video game. It's a comic book. And uh, now it's also uh, a mobile app. Uh, it's uh, had a battle arena online. First off, the, the video game has now been released. It's now available worldwide. Uh, I was lucky enough to get a preview copy from uh, from Warner Brothers and NetherRealm Studios. Uh, a f- my, my wife's cousin had a PlayStation 3. He's a big video game buff and uh, came over with his PS3. We played the game for an hour. Uh, excellent, excellent game. I'm not a very big video game player, um, uh, but I thoroughly enjoyed this. I thought the... The characters were well uh, defined. The the different moves for each character was was you know that you didn't feel like if you just chose Superman over Batman or you got you got you know uh, Catwoman or you chose Doomsday or Lex Luthor that you were just playing uh, the same character with a different body. Each character has such a different feel to it. Has a whole different set of moves. A whole different set of uh, special features. Uh, it, it's it really is a different character for a different game each time you're playing it and uh, thoroughly enjoyed the hour that I played it. The review that we got from uh, his friend who, you know, borrowed it for three days to, to play it and, and do a review for the Superman homepage was also very glowing. And I, I've only seen good things about uh, this game online from the people who have now had time with it. Well, that's very uh, heartening, I suppose. Uh, I plan on uh, renting it uh, eventually to see, to see how it is. I, I did buy the... Uh, DC versus Mortal Kombat one, and I thought uh, through most of the things that I've seen that this looked very similar to that, and thought, well, I don't want to, I don't want to buy another one that's kind of the same, mm-hmm. but I'll take a look at it uh, through rental and then and, and see what I think. Yeah, and it's people have said that there's obviously a lot of thought and a lot of planning and a lot of effort and detail has gone in by rather Nether Realm Studios into this game, as opposed to the the previous Mortal um, DC. Excuse me, DC versus Mortal Kombat game. Um, there seems to be a lot more effort put into this, and I think it shows. Uh, it's uh, it's a well-rounded game. The um, the storyline itself, obviously, with the the comic book, that the prequel comic book, uh, has left a few people wanting more, or hasn't necessarily hit the mark where they thought you know where that where it positions certain characters, but. It's a story to get the game to be where it is because people want to know why is Superman fighting Batman? Why is Superman fighting Wonder Woman? Why, you know, it's, a, it's a fighting game. So you're going to get... There's no real rhyme or reason for why these characters are fighting each other. It's just a fanboy thing where people want to see what would happen if Superman did fight uh, you know, Batman or what would happen if Green Lantern did fight the Flash and... And in this game, you really get a, a sense of, of that uh, of that effort that they've put in for that for that reason. Well, of course, as we know, and I, I don't know that it really came as a surprise to anyone, but we did get to see what would happen if Batman fought Superman, and uh, we uh, I wasn't surprised that Batman, of course, won the whole thing. Yeah, this uh, battle arena that they've been doing online that's had you know. Bouts and then they went to the quarterfinals and semifinals and then the the grand final was as we all expected Superman versus Batman and really this was a popularity contest this was about people voting online for who they wanted to win not who would necessarily win because straight away the Batman fans go oh yeah we had Kryptonite and we're like well 
in the actual fight that they showed online, they don't see any kryptonite anywhere involved. And if Superman did punch Batman out into the stratosphere and then <laughs> bashed him back down and, uh, to, to <laughs> Earth, uh, Batman would be a, a pulp, uh, you know, would just be a, a mess of, of uh, goo on the ground. But uh, this is a fighting game. It's a video game. All the characters have to have some kind of semblance of being on an evil, even keel, even power levels. Otherwise, it will just be over within a second. And as I said, this battle arena was a popularity contest and Batman won. Uh, yes. And, uh, you know, I noticed we, ha- we had a uh, little poll and, uh, you know, God bless them. God, God bless the Superman fans that said, uh, I voted for Superman and he will win. And of course, that was the highest uh, amount on our poll. Um, people, you know, uh, wishing and hoping that Superman would win. Uh, actually, I think it was over forty percent, uh, which was more than the others by quite a bit. Yeah, where in fact Superman, we voted for him, but we thought Batman would win. That was what I voted for. Me too. And that was the way. It, that was the way it turned out. I, I just knew uh, Batman fans would, uh, you know, somehow come on down on top. But I'll be interested to see what happens if they did this vote after Man of Steel hit cinemas. Well, you know, be careful what you wish for because they might do. We it. don't know yet if uh, it's going to be uh, the thing we wanted. I mean, I'm just hoping. I hope that he finally, uh, you know, claims his place atop the uh, the pile of other heroes. But. Uh, and see. You know, Batman's got quite a stranglehold on most people. Yep. Now, uh, if you can't afford the video game, the, the full-out, you know, PlayStation 3 uh, uh, and Xbox 360 version of uh, this Injustice Gods Among Us video game, there is a free mobile app, uh, a game, I think it's, uh, obviously, it is for the iOS devices, uh, iPhones, uh, iPads, iPod Touches, I've downloaded the, the game. Uh, very enjoyable. It's very simple and very easy to play. Uh, it gets harder as the levels go on. Uh, you get to you know play as certain DC characters. Superman's in there, but he doesn't. You don't unlock him until later in the game. Uh, so if up front you're playing with uh, the Flash, Green Lantern, uh, Nightwing. Uh, then you unlock Catwoman along the way, and then you're versing you know uh, villains like Sinestro, Lex Luthor, uh, and and other such villains. And uh, it's enjoyable. It's not def- very difficult, uh, but well worth playing if you uh, have one of those devices and want to check it out at the App Store. So uh, Injustice Gods Among Us, check it out uh, via the iTunes App Store. And that brings us to our April Fool's Day pranks. Uh, April 1st was obviously nearly a month since uh, we were you know, down the track. Uh, we're recording this podcast, and we caught out quite a few people um, with our news pranks on April Fool's Day, uh, a lot of people are, you know, are waiting for them now. It's become a tradition at the Superman homepage. April first, they just know coming to the site that they're going to see something that's a bit uh, off center, uh, a bit out there, uh, and some people still get caught out because they're not sure whether or not the news item that they're seeing at the homepage on April first is something real. Because we try to make them, uh, you know, especially the first couple of news items try to make them as uh, real as possible, but then there's an element to them that's just bizarre and, and out there, and uh, a lot of people go, if that's true, then I'm going to freak out, and then they click on the button and they realise it's an April Fool's Day prank, and uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, did you happen to get caught out this year, Scotty? I'm trying to remember exactly what the stories were. <laughs> I thought that there was one, when I first went, I didn't realise it was April 1st, 
Um, wasn't there one um, that that was kind of a positive thing? I, I'm trying well, to remember the, the first ones. one was about uh, Supergirl being a cameo, making a cameo appearance oh, yeah, in yeah. Man of Steel, and that she would that would then spring off into her own movie in which she was uh, making uh, home <laughs> movies of a salacious uh, type. Ah, uh, yes. Mm. Uh, there was one about a Lana Lang TV spin-off. The the second one, oh, and I'm just having a the third one. Sorry, down the track was uh, Cartoon Network announcing a Young Justice season three. So maybe that was the one you're thinking of as being the positive one. A lot of people thought that it was a bit too early to play that prank. Uh, I called the next season Young Justice Resurrection, uh, but obviously that's not true, and a lot of people were uh, upset that it wasn't true. Uh, that may be the one you were thinking about. I actually, uh, I think it was the Supergirl one. When I first, when I first read the, uh, the, the, you know, it, it took me like three words to realize it was April first, but not because I was, um, not because of what I read made me go, ah, that can't possibly be true. I actually, you know, uh, when you open up the picture of the Supergirl that you had there, you realize that it was a, uh, a, a photo manipulated photo that came out years ago or whatever of some hot brown-haired girl in a supergirl outfit uh but 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 the close-up of just the ass on her chest i actually got a little excited for a moment thinking that there was actually a possibility that uh, supergirl would uh be making an appearance in this man of steel movie which i don't really believe nolan would allow because he doesn't <laughs> like there to be other comic book characters in the world um but uh yeah so but it only took me a few seconds to realize what the date was and then, of course, all the other ones, um, I think, are a little more absurd. And um, Yeah, especially so no, the, I, yeah. Uh, the Superman homepage changing its name and focus that we would now be called Superheroes United Together Universal Provider, which uh, the acronym came to shutup.org. And <laughs> <laughs> um, that was obviously not, uh, not true. But uh, fun, nevertheless, uh, these uh, April Fool's Day pranks, they're getting harder to, uh, to trick people. But uh, we had a lot of fun with them. Now, the other thing we wanted to touch on before we move into the big question segment of the show is the 2013 Superman celebration, as you mentioned, is happening in June as well. Uh, they've named uh, a couple of celebrity guests coming this year. Margot Kidder and Michael Rosenbaum are both uh, returning to Metropolis. They've been there both before and uh, will be coming back for the 2013 celebration this year. I missed them when they were there before, Me and uh, as it as it turns out, I'm going to miss them again. <laughs> I'm very yeah. sad because yes, um, I'm very sad about that too. Because uh, Michael Bailey's also now said that he won't be able to to come along uh, because yeah. of the, the incident, the the accident that his wife has had. So uh, disappointed not to be able to catch up with uh, yourself and Michael at the Superman celebration this year, the 35th annual Superman celebration. But uh, Looking forward to, to coming across uh, meeting Margot Kidder and Michael Rosenbaum at this celebration. Also, they've uh, announced uh, some comic book creators, Ron Friends, Art Baltazar, uh, Brett Breeding and Chris Sprouse are all going to be there at Artist Alley and Writer's Way at the celebration. So uh, looking forward to the Superman celebration, which takes place June 6th to June 9th in Metropolis, Illinois. If you want more information about the, uh, the celebration, you go to supermancelebration.net. Uh, just so you're aware, those who who didn't know the story or, or, or 
brought up to speed on it. Uh, Michael's wife is okay. She's yes. just uh, she was in an accident uh, and and has some injuries that will make it too hard for her to to travel. But uh, uh, we wish them the best, of course. And uh, Michael's an awesome guy. And I was looking forward to meeting up with everybody there as well. And uh, you know, hopefully, at some point, somehow, uh, Steve, I'll be able to see you during your trip over here because. Mm-hmm. Uh, as people in America are aware, United States here are aware, uh, Australia is quite a long trip. Yes, quite a long trip. Not <laughs> for me to come over there and see you is probably not going <laughs> to happen. For Not that I wouldn't take the long trip. It's the uh, affording of the long trip. That's uh... Now, isn't Cat Grant, the woman who played Cat Grant on Lois and Clark, also coming to the uh That's correct, yes. There are a number of uh, other stars um, uh, coming to the Superman celebration. Um uh, what's what's her name? I'm just it's it's escaping me now. I'll find it for you in a second. Tracy Scoggins, uh, ah, there it is. who was Cat Grant in Lois and Clark the TV series, will be one of the celebrity guests attending this year as well. She'll be joined by Laurie Mitchell Roberts and Gregory Moffat, who both appeared in episodes of the Adventures of Superman TV series, which starred George Reeves, of course. Uh, obviously, lesser known, probably not known to people. Uh, unless they're fans, are big fans of the Adventures of Superman TV series. But Tracy Scoggins is obviously more well-known to more recent Superman fans as Cat Grant, and yes, she will be there this year as well. I'm not sure if there's any other bigger stars. I know Kidder and, and, and Rosenbaum are huge stars in the Superman world, but because they've been there before, I thought maybe for this 35th annual Superman celebration that they might have a big, big name uh, appearing this year, but uh, not sure if that's... Uh, still to be announced, but um, we'll keep an eye on supermancelebration.net for uh, all the Superman Celebration announcements. I kind of missed her the second season. I thought uh, I thought she was a, a kind of an electrifying, exciting, energizing presence, um, and uh, she kind of got less and less throughout the first season, and then mm. it was gone uh, when the second season began. But uh, would have been nice to see uh, more of her there. But I, uh, I'm, I was kind of excited when I heard she she was coming and Michael Rosenbaum and uh, uh, it was neat to, to 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 kind of almost make me change my mind about not going. Um, but I don't see how I could do that. <laughs> oh well, fair enough. Uh, let's move into the big question segment of the show. Let's start with the big question. Last month's question was. What Man of Steel merchandise are you looking forward to most? Yes, yeah, Scotty and, and I talked about how uh, how it's going to hit the hip pocket. Uh, so let's see what people are thinking they'll be able to afford and will want to get uh, for all that Man of Steel merchandise. Well, George Amaro wrote, All of it! Seriously, <laughs> though. <laughs> I'll likely get as many action figures, statues as I can afford or like well enough to buy. I'll also grab a few t-shirts. I look forward to seeing everything that comes out for this film and will likely pick up things that I don't know about yet or didn't think I would. Yeah, well done, George. Uh, statues are things that I'm looking forward to as well and will probably try to collect. Uh, John writes in, Most likely I'll be getting a video game based on the movie. If there is one, I'd, I, we haven't heard about that. Uh, and a comic book based on the movie, and or maybe a promotional poster. Other than that, nothing else except maybe a large plastic cup of the movies that might have Man of Steel images on it. Mikey B, uh, who uh, often sends in audio answers, did so again this month, so uh, here's what he had to say. Hi, Steve. Hi, Scotty. It's Mikey B. Well, I've been thinking a lot about this, so this question, so I'm glad you asked. Um, first, you know, the merchandise looks super, so for this movie, everything looks great. Um, I, I, 
I think my, my main thing is I want to enjoy this whole experience and, and have fun with it. So, uh, you know, and, you know, and certainly not overdue. I got two young kids, so I'll probably be picking up, uh, some things maybe more skewed towards them, like those action figures that you, you know, you fling around or some of the books, but, um, I, I was going to try to not overdo, uh, and just have, have fun with it. As I said, I picked up the shirt already, so, you know, I guess I'm off to a good start, but I know this is, a, it's an interesting question because it's different for everybody and, 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 and I'm looking, f you know, looking forward to some of the stuff, but, um, yeah, probably just some of the younger skewed stuff for my kids and, and maybe a couple things here and there, maybe a couple of the action figures for myself, but, uh, that's it. But as I said, I'm just, I'm just looking forward to seeing all this happening and, 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 uh, you know, it's, it's cool to see, you know, Scotty's stuff and he, on his speeding bulletins or you know, we watch or Steve's stuff all in the background there. And as I said, it's just different for everyone. Everyone's going to have their own collection and it's going to be fun to see what everybody uh, does with it. But I just hope whatever it is, it's all this stuff is a success and the movie turns out to, to be uh, a huge success. So, um, but anyway, guys, uh, interested to hear what everyone else has to say. So uh, take care. Well, thank you, Mikey. Uh, some interesting uh, ideas there on what he might get. Uh, Guthrie McLean writes in, So far, my favourite merchandise has been the action figures. I can't wait to fight Zod with my Superman figure. Only thing I feel missing is a Clark Kent with glasses changeable Superman figure. I fear that we won't see a Clark Kent with glasses in the movie due to not making a Clark Kent with glasses toy because I especially want this kind of toy. When I get bored with Clark, I can just change him into Superman. If I get bored with Superman, I can put his reporter clothes back on. Other than the toys, I like the new t-shirt and the storybooks. The statues are most impressive. The statues resemble the cast. However, the 31-inch statue of Superman's face looks nothing like the likeness of Cavill. hope we get more toys, though. Well, interesting. I haven't heard of too many fans actually playing with their, their toys. but uh, No, guess... he wants to fight them together. That's yeah. cool. I didn't know there was a 31-inch statue of Superman's face. Is that is that actually related <laughs> to Man of Steel? Or is that something a, no, it's a 31-inch uh, figure. And he's saying that the face of of on that figure oh. uh, doesn't look too much like Cavill. <laughs> gotcha. Hector wrote, I'm looking forward to buying the Man of Steel t-shirt for my nephew and I. Can't wait for the movie. Yeah, well done, That's Hector. Got to get uh, got to get in quick because I believe HotTopic.com are running out very fast with their official Man of Steel t-shirt. Uh, Hunter writes in and he says, I'm so grateful that you asked this question. With all the merchandise that has been announced, I have been torn on what I am most excited about. I've seen all the statues thus far, and yes, they are amazing, but a little out of my price range. I'm really excited about the Movie Masters Edition figures, as those will be probably the highest quality figure they release, other than the Sideshow 12-inch figure that will come out later this year. I'm also hoping for an expansion wave of more characters. Would be nice to see some of the other characters as well. Yeah, well, thank you, we everyone, Lois, for... Jonathan. Uh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, it would be nice to see some of those uh, extra, um, you know, the the supporting cast of characters. But uh, thank you, everyone, for your answers to that big question. Scotty, what is our new big question for this month? What did you like best about the new three-minute Man of Steel trailer? Yeah, we've said that the majority of people out there seem to love it. But what is it about specifically about this three-minute trailer that you liked most? You can get involved with the big question segment of the show by clicking on the big question button found at the Superman homepage and sending your answer in. You can also order uh, audio record your uh, your answer and Scotty and I 
we'll play that here on Radio KAL next month. I feel like we're going to get quite a few answers to this one. Yes. Uh, what was your favorite part of the trailer? Oh, I think uh, it was just so much to love. But uh, the thing that stuck out to me most was when uh, when when Lara said uh, they'll they'll kill him, and and Jor-El said how. <laughs> that was just uh, <laughs> because I've always thought that you know they've said it on other variations of the character. You know they'll cut you up like a frog or whatever. They'll dissect you. Uh, my 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 thought was always how 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 will they do that? <laughs> but. Jarrell expressed it uh, perfectly for me. Very cool. Yeah, I, I uh, like the uh, the Jonathan and uh, young Clark Kent scene where, um, you know, Clark says, "Can't I just can't we pretend that I'm your son?" And Jonathan, you know, emotionally hugs him and says, "You are my son." I thought that was uh, that was very cool. I love that scene in the trailer. So uh, let us know your thoughts on the new big question. Uh, get involved with this segment of the show. <laughs> And now it's time for the super secret soundbite. Last month's sound came from Initiation, the pilot episode of Justice League Unlimited animated series. Seven people managed to guess it correctly, and they are Alex, Jeremy Crawford, John F., Fred Walsh, Matthew Apps, Doug Johnson, and Derek Stokely. Yes, congratulations to those seven people for guessing where that sound came from. Let's see if they and more people can guess where in the world of Superman this new sound comes from. The armor won't help. Just shut up and fight. Well, if you think you know where in the world of Superman that sound came from, use the Super Secret Soundbite entry form found at the Superman homepage and send your entry in. Each person who guesses it right will have their name read out in our next Radio KAL podcast. The Superman song this month is from Superman fan Grady Nichols. He's a songwriter and a saxophonist who has worked with Grammy winners Bill Champlin from the group Chicago, Chris Body, Paul Brown, and Grammy-nominated Jeff Lorber, plus Lee Nass of, uh, of Nash of Sixpence None the Richer. Yeah, his, uh, his latest project is called Destinations, which you can find uh, a myriad of information about on his website at gradynichols.com. That's G-R-A-D-Y-N-I-C-H-O-L-S dot com. Uh, Grady has written and recorded the following song titled Superman, which he says is really about the Lois and Clark dynamic before she knows his secret. Uh, What else did he say about this song, Scotty? He said it's relatable also to the circumstance that we've all experienced at one time. The girl you've always felt was out of your reach and totally with the wrong guy. If only she could see you as her Superman who can save her and bring her happiness. Yes, well, this is Superman by Grady Nichols. You know it's plain to me Don't need x-ray to see that He can't love you the way that you deserve to be loved
the show for another month now oh, that is very cool yeah very cool thank you grady for allowing us to play that here on radio kal now remember if there is a suggestion for a topic you think scotty and i need to discuss here on radio kal maybe there's a song you'd like to request maybe there's a big question you'd like us to ask the fans uh, any of those suggestions can be sent to us using the kal feedback form found at the superman homepage. Alternatively, you can e send us an email. My email address is steve at supermanhomepage.com or you can get Scotty via scotty at supermanhomepage.com and we will try to use those suggestions in a future show. But for now, this is, the, uh, this is our 100th episode of Radio KL. Thank you, Scotty, for your input. Thank you, Steve. It's been nice talking to you, everybody. And remember, I will find him. You've been listening to Radio K, all brought to you by supermanhomepage.com.